Welcome to The Hidden Edge, the go-to podcast on mental fitness for business leaders and their teams. By me, Jody Rogers, peak performance consultant to world-leading organizations. So welcome back. And I thought this week, what might be a really good topic to discuss is well, something that we're seeing with our clients and with the teams and the leaders that we're working around the world with, and it's uh, highly relevant. So the topic today is how to keep up with fast-paced work environments, and importantly, without losing your mind, which is really the trick. We can all keep up, but we can very quickly lose our mind, lose our sleep, enhance our stress levels. So how do we do this with a sustainable energy and sustainable performance and it's really a million dollar question and because I think it's one of the challenges that we face generally in life and in work and in business but has become even more important in in 2020 as we're recording this in the middle of a global pandemic so you know what is that what has actually happened to us in this moment well for many of the businesses that we're working for the pandemic has meant all of the strategies have gone out the window. There's been a real necessity to re-scenario plan, to reimagine the future, to try and predict an unpredictable future, to change to change um, the plans because consumers' habits have changed, the market has changed, how we are getting things done has completely changed. In a normal moment in time, that is already a lot of work to be dealing with. That coupled with the fact most people are either working on the front line or working at home. And that brings its own stressors and its own challenges. Maybe you've got little people climbing on top of you like I have had. I have a two and a half year old and a five year old. Um, or, you know, you're, you're just managing the complexity of what it is to live and work in, in 2020 during a pandemic. And, you know, if you watch the media, of course, there's so much talk about recessions and the future. And, and there's a lot of a lot of dystopia, I suppose, when we think about the future, because as everyone keeps saying, it's um, extremely uncertain. The truth is the future's always been uncertain. It's just, we're just much more aware of it than we usually have been. But as we panic about the future and the economy and what it means for work and business and and customers, clients and consumers, it means we have um, created a frenzy of work for ourselves. And look, the, the conversations that we're having with some of key people in, in, in companies like in Barclays, Unilever, L'Oreal, lots of different companies. What we're seeing is um, the busy trap and being on a, an absolute treadmill of constant work. And the truth is, there is always going to be more work to do. No matter how many meetings you turn up to, no matter how many emails you you respond to, no matter how many PowerPoints or Excel documents or analysis or books that you write or whatever it is, the thing that you're doing, there's always going to be more to do. So how do we clear through the clutter and how do we keep up with this environment without burning out and without losing our minds? Well, I've got five things that I want to say about this. And they're not they're not like going to shatter your world because it's not a secret. We actually know most of this. The difference is we're not actioning most of this. So the first is be ruthlessly 
focused. Easy to say, really hard to do. There are 97 things to do. There's another 22 things to do because of COVID and because of the pandemic. And we think that they're all urgent and they're all a priority. And they can't possibly be, because if that is true, we have absolutely diluted the definition of the word priority and urgency. So it's really, and we're seeing this actually, obviously people come to us, to my business, Symbia, because of they, they need their team to be higher performing or because there's some dysfunction in the team or generally for what we offer in terms of mental fitness and resilience, because it's become so important this year. But the truth is, we can give you and your people all of the mental fitness and resilience tools in the world but if you're not making the tough choices and if you're not focused on where your energy is it's it's a losing battle we have to do both parts of this job we have to make the hard choices and that's what leadership actually is anybody can say oh we should do this because that could potentially bring us one million in turnover and yes we need to do this repackaging in Indonesia and yes it's really important uh, to focus on penetration and consumption and um, oh, and we'll not do that because that's only going to bring us you know twenty thousand dollars in revenue that's not where leadership comes in anybody can make that decision that's a really simple decision right go after the big money ignore the small money but what we we actually need to make braver decisions and we need to go okay there are seven opportunities here we don't know where the market's going to go you need to you need to take risks and you need to make a decision without all of the information and so what we're seeing right now is a suffering of people because those big choices those dangerous risky brave choices aren't being made but if you're not making them then you are not showing up as a leader that you should be anyway that's a message to leaders for you um, just trying to get through your to-do list same thing is important right if you have like a long to-do list like most of us have which you start the day going oh okay I've only got 13 things to do and with every call you take you add more things to your to-do list there's no time to do the things because you're on all of these calls you're going to have to do them at the evening or the weekend and then you're getting frustrated because there never seems to be any end work the end will never come there is no it's an illusion. There is no natural end work, only the one that you draw, only the line that you put in place. And so how do how do we help you draw that line? By getting your head out of the trenches and into the helicopter and into the big picture of the work that you have to do. We all have to make choices. We need to make choices every week and every day. So start your Monday, or some people like to do it on a Sunday, by going, okay, off these 29,000 things I have to do, what are the three that really matter? What are the three that are going to make the biggest difference? And I say three because I know others are going to creep in. So let's try and have some discipline here. And then each day, knowing that that's your goal for the for the week to focus on those three, those three big bets or three big rocks, as others call them, then what are the three things you need to do on Monday to move you towards that? And on Tuesday and on Wednesday. And it's important to review those to um, know that you're actually making progress. So be ruthlessly focused. Simple, 
but it's not easy. It's damn hard. But when you do that, you will, yes, you will keep up with the fast pace because if you're choosing wisely, you're focusing on the strategic big bets that matter. And But you're not going to lose your mind because you're not getting distracted by all of the all, all of the other minutiae and detail, the, the urgent things, for those of you who know um, Stephen Covey, the urgent but unimportant things that are always vying for your time. Why? Because people are WhatsApping you about it, because they're booking meetings in your diary about it. They're sending emails about it. They're just trying to get stuff off their to-do list and onto your to-do list. Be ruthlessly focused and don't feel bad about it. You will be much better in your job and in your life if you focus. So that's the first one. The second is progress over perfection. What do I mean by that? Well, it's obvious, but it depends as well on your personality, right? I am not a perfectionist. I am quick start on Colby for those of you who um, know Colby. And if you don't check it out, it's a great way to understand what your working style is. Uh, but I like to take action and I like to see progress. But not everybody does. When I think about my husband, he loves action, but he loves plans precision, making sure that everything is lined up for success and then taking action. That is right in certain moments. But if you are working in a fast-paced environment, which we all are and have 97 things to do, if you're striving for perfection, not even perfection, let's say on a scale of zero to 10, you're striving for eight and perfection is 10. That still is a bit too much on the perfection side of things. What is your low hanging fruit? What are the things that you can do to get progress, create momentum, create motivation? What's your 80%? That's going to be easier for some people to do than others. But I I have that mantra in my head all the time because whilst I'm not a natural perfectionist, there are some things that I, uh, that, do really matter to me and I can get very focused on and I have to well the most recent one naming name renaming our company that that was harder than renaming renaming <laughs> my children I didn't rename them <laughs> it was harder than naming them the, the first time around because it has to stand for so much and you know it's got to communicate what the brand stands for and it's got to be approachable but it's also got to be authoritative and all of these things and I was putting so much pressure onto that name it made it impossible to make a decision I was paralyzed and then this progress over perfection you've got to move forward moving forward is more important than this mythical perfect name so it's just about being aware of that and reminding yourself when you're falling into the perfection trap and the perfection trap by the way is um can be wonderful and also can be a curse and also can be excuse to stay in the detail to stay and not showing your stuff because it's not ready yet when actually we just need to be brave and get it out there and get feedback and move forward so that's number two Number three is don't overvalue emails and meetings. What do I mean by that? I mean, the way we, many of us operate, and I have, I'll put my hand up, I have been guilty of this as well, is um, we're in our inboxes all day. And we respond to inboxes. They come in like little torpedoes. We act on them. I better reply. If we haven't replied, we've got open file syndrome in our heads. And we're, oh, I must get back to that person. I must get back to that person. And if you think about it, it's the equivalent of, imagine your house, and I, I don't know where you live, maybe you, let's just imagine an, um, an old-fashioned house 
that has a door which has a little letterbox in it that you get your mail through. Sitting in your inbox and being so responsive in your inbox is the equivalent of being in the hallway of your home, standing with your hands out, waiting for the mailbox to open, waiting for the letters to come in and drop into your hands and then quickly get a pen and paper and quickly panic and reply back and send it off. And we'd fall into that trap all the time. Emails are not the work. It is a communication method that has become it's disguised and feels like the work and looks like the work and and it's easy to fall into that trap but it's not the work and it's the same for meetings oh well the inefficiency of meetings nobody knows how to run a good meeting there's got to be some more training on this don't turn up to a meeting because it has an interesting title and because you think that you should be involved and you were invited so obviously they want you to be there and you've got to contribute you've got to be militant about meetings what is the objective why am i there how can i contribute is it so complicated that we need to talk about it Can it be a WhatsApp message? Can it be communicated in another way? So I was having this conversation with a team that I was working with last week. I was like, at a minimum, you need to have the objective. Oh, yeah, no, we'll we'll say what the objective is. And I said, okay, give me some examples of your objectives. (laughs) They weren't objectives. They were just random sentences. Are you there to make decisions? Are you there to align? Are you there to share? Are you there to delegate? Like, what is the point in the meeting? Be really clear up front. Then say to people, put a list. These are the mandatory attendees. Here's why you're mandatory. The rest of you guys are optional. Show up if you've got nothing better to do with your time. I guarantee you, you've got a lot more better things to do your time. So don't overvalue emails or overvalue meetings. And by the way, if you are frustrated by the amount of meetings in your diary, you need to start blocking out your time. Have meetings with yourself. Block out your time for the projects that don't have project names. Don't they're not important to anyone else. Don't exist for anyone else. Give them a name because that makes it real. Put it in your diary and block it out. Project Aphrodite, Project Athena, whatever it is. That's you securing your time because when you do that then you have put yourself first and put your priorities first, right? Right back up to point number one, be ruthlessly focused. If we leave our diaries wide open for people to steal our time, that's exactly what will happen. And then we can't get frustrated when we look at our diaries and it's like back-to-back meetings. It didn't happen by accident. We have allowed it to happen in some way or other. And as I say this out loud, I am also saying it to myself because <laughs> I need to listen to this sometimes too. And look, it's fine for this to happen, but it should be the exception, not the norm. And right now, it's the norm. We're seeing it everywhere. People are in um, video call uh, marathons, and it's not good for any of us. Okay, so the fourth, I said there were five, we're on number four. Number four is say no and set boundaries. Again, sounds easy, impossible to do. So we we run workshops on this because um, saying no Setting boundaries, setting your work limits is notoriously very difficult to do. And it's not because people can't say the word no. And actually, indeed, we teach people how to say no without ever having to say the word no. But I'll talk about that in a second. When we dig in to why people say yes to that, you know, 33rd thing on their to-do list when they really don't have time and know that it means they're working evenings and weekends, it's fear-driven and judgment driven. So it's fear of letting people down, fear of being judged, 
fear of um, people thinking that you're not capable, you're not a team player, and also fear of um, insecurity that I will lose my job, you know, particularly in the context that we're all living in. Now, when you actually do set your boundaries, that fear rarely comes into fruition. The reality is that actually most people respect that you've made that decision, especially if you've explained it and, and understand why and wish they could do it too, by the way. So I mentioned to say no. What I mean by that is when we get requests from people, what kind of happens is they they metaphorically lob their to-do thing, the thing that they're responsible for, over the fence into your bucket of to-dos. And our inbuilt assumption is they really need me to do this. This has got to be quality, particularly if you're a perfectionist. It's urgent because everybody says everything's urgent that's how they get things from the bottom of your to-do list to the top of your to-do list but if we just assume for a second that actually they are assumptions right assume they are assumptions then what needs to happen is a, a real open conversation about okay I understand this is urgent to you what is behind the request what are you going to do with this what is more important for you speed quality budget because People can't have everything. And when you get more clarity by asking questions, you can take it off your plate, but still get their needs met. So you ask, you know, oh, okay, right. So that's really interesting. And know that this is really urgent for you. But if we're going to do this properly, it's going to take three weeks and it's going to cost, you know, 25 grand out of the budget, which I know that you don't have. But did you know that, you know, blah, 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 in such and such a department did something very similar last year? And I can get you that document. And if you have a quick read, I think some of the answers are going to be in there. Or, you know, whatever it is, it's the idea is get people what they need without it being your time, your energy and your thinking. So through questioning, avoiding your own assumptions, question to fully understand what it is they need and then see how you can get their needs met in a different way. And that that really comes from the the other part of this I've said is say no and set boundaries. And that, that loops back to what I started with, which is there's always going to be more work to do. So no matter how much you work, you will have more work because here's the truth with very productive people, with people that are able to do 97 things, even if that means working evenings and weekends, the the sense is, and I know, and and I'm going to speak from personal experience. The sense is someone is going to see I'm drowning and someone is going to rescue me. So I'm going to keep on taking this stuff and I'm going to be a bit pissed off about it. And I'm going to moan to all of the wrong people, but I'm going to do it anyway because of all of this fear that I've got in the back of my mind. And you're not going to get rescued. And here's why. Because nobody ever, ever, ever has said the words, oh, Jamie is so motivated and super productive and he's able to work on so many things at once. I think we should give him less work that's what we should do we should give him less work no the opposite happens the more you do the more you get right so you have got to set your boundaries and you have got to you've got to say what is possible what's not possible and you can renegotiate renegotiate timelines renegotiate depth of quality and, and renegotiate the who whether it's you that does it or someone that you highly recommend 
The fifth is the capability trap. What is the capability trap? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Again, I am guilty of this. Just because you can do something does not mean you should be doing something. And in times of crisis and high stress, it takes more cognitive ability to sit down and plan this and work out who to delegate it to than it does just do the thing. So we just do that thing and then we just do this thing and then we just do that other small minutia thing. Before we know it, we're in the weeds of the business and we have we have demoted ourselves from whatever position we're supposed to be in and we're burning out and we're spinning wheels. So just because you can doesn't mean you should. What goes hand in hand with that are the three Ds, which I have made up <laughs> by the way, but they work delegate what of things you you can do but shouldn't do can you delegate what can you delay what can you renegotiate the timelines on and what can you delete and by delete i mean it was lobbed over the fence to you lob it back over or lob it on to someone else think of it as a hot potato it's on someone else's to-do list it's if it's not in your ruthlessly focused zones the three rocks or the three big bets then you shouldn't be getting distracted by it. So in summary, how to keep up with a fast-paced work environment without losing your mind is not about running faster or getting better trainers. It is actually about acknowledging that there are only certain races that you should be turning up for, that a lot of the rest of them are distracting and are going to take you in the wrong direction, and that you are probably the biggest source of your own stress. So if you start to set your limits, start to say no, start to set boundaries, make progress over progression, uh, don't fall into the capability trap and stay ruthlessly focused, you will find that that fast-paced work environment is much more manageable. So there you go. That's my five tips for surviving some of the madness of 2020. We would need about 72 hours more of content to fully guide you into a um, self-help kit of 2020. But this has been a good starter for 10. So thank you for listening. If you've got any questions, you can hit me up. You can find me at jody at symbiapartners.com and I look forward to having you back at the next episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Hidden Edge. Remember to subscribe and review and visit symbiapartners.com for the latest on mental fitness for leaders and their teams.